You're listening to the Alternative Investment Podcast. We give you the insights and strategies you need to grow your wealth with alternative investments. Now, here's your host, Andy Hagens. Welcome to the show. I'm Andy Hagens. Very excited for today's episode. You know, we've done almost 160 episodes of the Alternative Investment Podcast, and I've covered so many different subsectors within private equity, within commercial real estate. Every once in a while, I encounter something brand new. That's why this never gets old, right, guys? So today we are talking about investing in car washes, which I think is a fascinating little niche within private equity or within commercial real estate. Joining me today is Whitney Elkins Hutton, Director of Investor Education at PassiveInvesting.com. Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andy. I can't wait to dive into car washes. Uh, I actually am passionate about car washes at a, a consumer level. Uh, I'm kind of an odd <laughs> so my husband. Car nerd. Yeah, I'm a detailing nerd, but I'll I'll, I'll save that for a minute. Um, so we want to talk about car washes. We want to talk about commercial real estate, but. Why don't we start with your background? Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about PassiveInvesting.com? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'm the director of investor education here at PassiveInvesting.com. We are a private equity firm based out of the uh, Irmo, South Carolina, which is right outside of Columbia, South Carolina. And we specialize in... Um, high class, like you know, class B plus class A assets in the Southeast and East, um, multifamily self-storage express car washes. We also have a first position real estate debt fund. We have over 1.4 billion uh, assets under management. We've completed, you know, definitely over 1.7, probably closer to 1.8 in um, transaction volume. And with amazing returns to our limited partner investor, 28.9% ARR um, in 27, average 27 months and made over 51 million in distributions. So that's a little bit of us about nutshell about a com our company. Uh, me personally, I started off real estate investing in 2002 completely by accident. So I don't have a degree in this. I, uh, my degree is in the school of life and hard knocks. I started off living, flipping and house hacking. Uh, eventually learned what passive or learned what financial independence was and realized I needed cash flow. So, um, my husband and I staffed the live and flipping and house hacking, or at least put it on hold and started buying rentals, got up to over 36 rentals, then hit our next ceiling of achievement that we needed to go bigger and faster. So we got into the multifamily, um, space, both actively. And then myself, um, as a general partner on um, some larger private equity deals. And all this all this while, um, we're trying to figure out how to, ways to scale our income. And uh, we just kept taking all of those active chips off the table and putting them into um, either deals of our own that we controlled or into passive deals like multifamily self-storage, um, express car washes too. And um, you know, picked our heads up one day and we're like, wow, we're financially free. And we have, you know, freedom of time, freedom of choice, freedom of how we're going to create an impact on the world. Uh, and so that's been such an amazing ride. And I love, that's my, what my passion is, is sharing uh, with our investors, you know, you know, that this is available to them too. We can help them walk that path. Uh, and, you know, they don't have to go through all of the hard knocks <laughs> that I did in order to have that type of freedom. 
Yeah, you know, one thing that really resonates with me, Whitney, is you really have a, a an appreciation of being an LP, right? And and I do too. Like I I love hosting the Alternative Investment Podcast. I get to talk to some of the smartest, most connected people in private equity and in finance. And I'm like, I don't really know that much. I'm not an expert really in any of these. Se- I mean, there's so many sectors, and they each require their own expertise. I'm essentially just a limited partner who's going out and interviewing GPs and it's fun. And sometimes that, you know, you just kind of made me stop and think about how much headache I don't have, right. By, by not being a GP. So, and that was really the whole thesis of this show is I'm a limited partner. I see things from my perspective, you know, I'm not an expert and I want to go out and interview GPs from that perspective of a limited partner. Um, Mm -hmm. So that being said, today we want to talk about car washes, right? From that commercial real estate or private equity investment standpoint. Um, but but to begin, I want to talk about the different types of car washes. And this is very, very personal for me, okay? Because as I said, I'm kind of a car guy. I'm a detailing nerd. I come by it honestly. My dad is into antique cars. He has a beautiful car collection of like 1934 Packards and 1930s cords and just all these beautiful cars. I'm more of a modern car guy. I like German cars. I have a BMW M3. My wife has a Toyota minivan that goes through the regular car wash that in my opinion does scratch the paint, but I will say it's very, very busy all the time, this automated car wash near our house. And then I go to the touchless car wash which is, you know, you go into a bay and it it has high pressure spray, but nothing actually touches your paint because I'm a little uh, high strung when it comes to my paint. So when we're talking about express car washes or the different types of car washes, what are we actually talking about, Whitney? Yeah, well, okay. So first of all, we're talking about car washes for the masses. Okay, okay. so if you've got that M3 or, you know, shot. Uh, you know, Shelby Cobra, or hopefully I said that right, like in yep. my, uh, you know, ignorance of like, you know, high-end cars, but um, you're not probably or not going to go to these type of car washes, right? Okay. You're going to go to the more specialized high pressure type car washes. Okay. But you know, think about it, 91% of people or households in the United States have at least one car. 22% of households in the United States have three or more cars. And so, um, you know, Everybody, like a good portion of the United States has at least one car and they need a place to keep it clean, right? You ha- you do have to maintain it some way, somehow. And 72% of the people actually wash their car at a facility, at a car wash. Mm-hmm. And of those people that engage a car wash, the high majority of them actually use an express car wash. So what is an express car wash? Well, I like first telling you what it's not. So it's not, you know, the DIY self-service where you're driving into like that garage bay and you're dropping your quarters or scanning your car and you're you're trying to work the brush and the sprayer and just praying that you don't spray yourself, right? It's not that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the type of automated car wash that's attached to a gas station. Those are just actual, you know, it, it, there's an element of convenience there, but that's just really a cost center for the gas station because they're not washing that many cars a day, maybe 30, 40, you know, max probably. Um, Then you have your full service car washes, you know, that's where somebody goes in and they're, they're, those people are going to spend 30 or 40 minutes with their car. 
cleaning it out by hand, you know, taking it through a short uh, tunnel, getting it washed, and then, you know, hand drying it and maybe hand applying wax. That's very high customer service, but very labor intensive process. You can only wash maybe like 100, 150, 50 cars a day in that type of setting. So what is the express car wash? It's this marriage of convenience as well as a high, um, high end customer product. So you're going to drive on to the facility. There might be a bank of vacuums. You can choose to clean out the interior car. If you're paying for one of the upper tiers of a membership, maybe there's somebody there that can help you clean out your car. Then it's going to go through a long tunnel. And in that tunnel, it's going to pre-wash, wash, wax, shine. It's going to know based on the barcode on your app or, you know, you know, your membership, maybe it's attached to the car somehow physically, it's going to know, you know, what level of membership does this person have? Do they get a tire shine every wash or every fourth wash or, you know, only four times a year? That tunnel is a smart tunnel um, and it's going to do everything. And then, you know, of course, you know, go through the dryers at the end of the tunnel and that person's on their way. So they're maybe spending five, seven, maybe 10 minutes on the the actual premise in order to get the car clean. And so it's really a sticky behavior because, you know, you've, people have cars, they don't want to wash them in the driveway anymore, or they can't due to covenants, you know, either where they're living, you know, maybe it's the neighborhood or the, you know, apartment right. covenants. Um, and they want, you know, we all want instant gratification now. And the car is an outward symbol of like, our us and our status, right? That's why a lot of people have like really expensive cars. They love them, right? It brings them joy in some way. But, you know, realtors, that's probably their mobile office. They're taking clients around in their cars. I'm a mom and I'm always, you know, hauling kids or the dog back and forth. It's like yeah. how I get to my work. It's how I get the kids to school and stuff like that. So it's a very functional tool in our lives. And we have, we, we take care of them probably more so sometimes than our house. <laughs> there are yeah. It, 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 I mean, that's one thing I like about auto detailing is, you know, d depending on what level I want to go to, it's a job I can start and finish. You know, I have five kids and the oldest is 10. If I want to clean my house, it's just a never ending job. You know, you get to the third room and it's like, Oh, I got to start out, you know? So you're absolutely right. And I will say, you know, with the express car washes, I live in Southwest Michigan and, uh, you know, in a, a pretty small town, we have these, a couple express car washes and they are always busy to your point about sticky behaviors. They have a membership club where you, you know, you pay a flat fee and you get unlimited washes. There's usually a line of, you know, four to 12 cars, you know, waiting. So it's constantly moving. I've, I've kind of speculated I wonder what kind of capital investment it requires to build one of these. And I know it's it's tremendous. It's a big business. We have a company mm -hmm. here locally that is like a chain. I don't know if they're regional or national, but their headquarters is nearby and it's gigantic. So I know it's a big business. How I, Do you have any numbers? How big is the express car industry? Yeah, it's about $33 billion and growing. Um, you know, the car wash industry as a whole and that, and I should say $33 billion is the entire car wash industry. So okay. all those different types of car washes I described, um, you know, but right now the, the industry as a whole is growing about just under 4% annually. Um, you guys can pull these stats, happy to share them with you, but you can also go to carwash.org 
um, you need to pull some of this data, you know, for yourself. Um, but the express car wash space is growing about twice that clip. Okay. And so just right around, you know, probably like 7.7, 7.8% annually. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it really is a unique business. Um, it, so there's the actual development of the car wash, right, space. And then there's what we're doing, which is consolidating that. Right. A lot of people have gotten into car washes, building out express car washes with the hopes of creating, you know, kind of like replicating the laundromat. Right. Like, you know, pretty, you know, low, low high cash, low operational expenditure business. And if I can automate myself out of it, like I don't have to be there every day. Right. Well, unfortunately, you know, unless you have five, seven, ten locations, you can't hire a regional manager. It just financially doesn't make sense. And so. Also, you're probably not being able to really, you know, get great deals on your chemicals and your your mechanical supplies and stuff like that because you don't have volume. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're really seeing this movement and consolidation in this space away from these mom and pop owners, right? You know, 85% of the express car washes owned currently are by a mom and pop owner. Just, so Whitney, that I'm sorry to interrupt, but that just reminds me of self-storage where it's just, it does, it's right? fragmented. You have all these mom and pops yeah. and then what you're talking about, like kind of a roll-up strategy where you hit scale. I mean, same thing with self-storage. If you have two or three little self-storage facilities, you're not going to hire a, a regional manager, right? To, it's, it's not, you're not going to have that kind of, it's not going to be cost-effective. You don't have the scale. But if you have seven or 10 or 20 mid-sized self-storage facilities, like, okay, now, now this takes on a different character. Absolutely. Well, and that's, so there's, you know, different areas of disruption. That's one of them. How can we consolidate? We're in that early phase of consolidation, right? Like, self-storage 2004, five and six, right? We started seeing this early consolidation. Mm -hmm. And there's this window where big money doesn't want to be in it. It's right? too small. They, it's too small. It's the headaches. It's just the, the, you know, yeah. they have to operate like they can't mm -hmm. just like snap them up and place them in property management. The toilets, toilets, tenants and tires. Right. They're like, <laughs> we don't want to deal with the three teams here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, exactly. Right. Um, so we there's this space here. They do. You know, we as we scale our portfolio, we're already talking to some big, big companies, big private equity companies, a couple of REITs and understanding that what the end of mind, right? What needs to happen for us to reposition our portfolio once we hit that 150 to 200 location count? And we know what needs to happen. Part of it is building that third party management company. They don't want to build it. Guess what? We do. We get to solve this issue and bring value to the space. Um, we already touched on a little bit of the scalability aspect, right? You know, we're now going to, at the end of the month, we'll be at 32 car washes between 30 operational and 200 development, that gives us immense buying power, right? We started, you know, most mom and pop operators, they're paying $1.65 to 265 a wash when somebody washes their car, right? They just can't drive down, create operational efficiency. We're at 83 cents a wash, mm -hmm. right? So if you somebody's on your base plan, $25, right? A month, you know, most investors go, whoa, what happens if they wash their car every day? Well, okay, most our customers on average wash their car 1.8 times a month. And if the car wash itself, the chemicals, electricity, and water cost 83 cents a wash, we got some hefty margins there to work with to pay, you know, high end employees, 
um, and to maintain the facilities. And so, so, and so, 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 but I, that gives me two questions though, because I, I imagine it, uh, just the equipment itself mm-hmm. is tremendously expensive. Although again, you, you have scale, what would be for like a, a median or typical, um, a typical express car wash facility? What kind of capital investment are you, are you talking about? A couple million dollars or, or like what, what's realistic to launch one of these? Um, well, so it depends on location and the cost of land, right? And the cost of equipment. But I would, if you're going to open your own car wash, I would plan um, if you're not, if you're going to do it through a franchise, 1.45 million easy for the franchise buy-in probably. Um, and I I would plan for like at least minimum two to 3 million capital investment. Okay. So I wasn't, I wasn't far off then. And and then are, are, are you all, are you, uh, buying land and developing? Is this all basically ground up or are you purchasing some existing like mom and pop facilities Mm -hmm. and then doing value add and consolidating? Yeah. So of those 32 units at the end of the month that we'll have fully closed, um, two are development. We bought the land. We did the ground up development on. Okay. They're not, we haven't delivered them yet, but we're getting very close. Okay. Uh, 29 of those were acquisitions that were already operating. And so we are, I mean, we're, we don't, there's no competition, right? We don't have big money in. There's very little competition in the space. So that is probably our primary focus right now is to, you know, consolidate a lot of these operate, you know, facilities that are currently operating. Um, we did buy one that was from a developer that was complete, but not operational yet. So when we closed, we closed on the asset when we got the certificate of occupancy. Got so it. That one was kind of turnkey. And so that gives us, you know, several different layers to work with here as far as like how we scale the portfolio. We do recognize we're going to have to do more ground up development. But here's the unique thing. We don't make our investors participate in both development and operation at the same time. They get to choose. Do they want to be on the ground up? Do they want to essentially flip a car wash? You know, kind of like flipping a house or flipping a multifamily. They can do that, right? There's no cash flow there, a lot of equity build, no tax benefits. Or do they want to be on the operational side of things? Um, and participate in an operational portfolio, say two to seven, you know, locations in a fund. Mm-hmm. So, um, or and they can certainly do both, but you know, that is a unique strategy we have is that we don't make our investors participate in both sides at the same time. Understood. And and you know, you talked about this a little bit, but you've structured your investment offerings in a very unique way with different options for investors. So, could you talk a little bit more about the choices? that limited partners have with how you've structured your deals? Yeah. So I'll just start with the kind of how we're structuring the portfolio in general. Um, So we're scaling 150 to 200 locations. But what we show each one of our investors is actually what would happen if we needed uh, or if the exit strategy is selling each asset individually, which means two things. One, um, it's a very conservative approach because every asset we buy has to be able to stand on its own merits. Okay. And we don't, we, when we put the portfolios together to take advantage of lending terms, um, we don't, you know, every asset in there has to perform. We are currently be performing. We we're not going to take a dud and hope we can turn it around and bury it within 10 other assets. Um, so it's really important to understand the strategy. 
Um, but again, there's ways to participate in here. Um, you know, does somebody need, uh, I always say, I always, it's always interesting when I talk to investors and they say, I don't need cash flow. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you or you just don't need to use it right now. Yeah. Right. That's a different thing. I think we all need cash flow. But the operational side is really attractive because we can, we have, you know, we offer a 10% preferred return on our portfolio is currently, you know, but okay. cash on cash wow. year one is like 7% scales up to 12 to 15%. So some very attractive cash on cash numbers. You don't need to use it. Fantastic. You know, pull it all together, take it into your next investment, scale that way. Um, then we got the equity portion of it on the back end when the, the assets reposition. Um, you know, the different splits there, or there is ways if somebody really wants to have a momentum type of investment, they can participate in one of our development funds. Those funds don't have cash flow. Okay. Um, essentially you're flipping a car, car wash business. So no cash flow. It's a complete equity play. And it also doesn't have tax benefits. And I, I, I did miss that we should talk about the tax benefits of an Express in a 90% year one depreciation. Wow. So for, yeah. And, and, the, and a lot of people are like, no way. And I'm like, appreciate the building because it's a piece of equipment to the business. Mm. That's incredible. I mean, that, that uh, almost rivals like an oil and gas deal or something in terms of tax benefits. With a lot less risk, I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Whitney, I you know I can I notice my internet's getting a little spotty, so I'm going to cut it a little bit short today. But this has been a, a fascinating uh, crash course into this asset class. So I can't thank you enough for you know sharing your insights about this sector of commercial real estate of private equity. Where can our audience of high net worth investors go to learn more about PassiveInvesting.com and all of your investment offerings in this sector? Absolutely. You can go to PassiveInvestingWithWhitney.com. Um, that's a sub page on the Passive Investing website. Um, but it's the only place that I've got some free goodies for you. You can also get access to my calendar and um, you know, schedule a call with me. And we can talk all things passive real estate, possibly even car washes. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link to that unique URL in our show notes as well, which are always available at wealthchannel.com. Whitney, thanks again for joining the show today. Thank you. Such a pleasure. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.